You're listening to a sermon from Oak Hill Fellowship Church, located in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. You can learn more about us by visiting oakhillfellowship.com or finding us on social media. Now grab a Bible, a notebook, and get ready to be spiritually enriched by the Word of God. You can open your Bibles to the book of 3 John. 3 John. And so uh, if you're not familiar with 3 John, you can go to Revelation and go back two short books and it'll be right there. Uh, the book of 3 John. And uh, as we get into this, wasn't, wasn't it great last week to have uh, our brother Jeff Hohenschel here with us uh, preaching from Psalm 96? That was, that was a really great time. I, I enjoyed that myself. Uh, and, and he was here both for our anniversary Sunday and uh, to kick off this series that we're continuing in today called A Worshiping and Sending Church. And I think that he cast a pretty compelling vision from Psalm 96 that uh, God wants his people to be concerned about both worshiping Christ and living lives on mission, living sent. That, that those two things always work together. That, that when we get a, a, a glimpse of the glory of God and we become captivated and we believe that Jesus is all to us, that he's going to then send us out to be his witnesses in the world. And I loved this uh, about last week, that as I heard some of the feedback from some of you, um, what, what, what you were saying was that it was cool to hear somebody emphasizing things that we emphasize here regularly at Oak Hill, but they were from a different church and a different location, and it was like, you know, it was just like he was right at home right here. And, and, uh, and, and I love that. And really, that captures why we joined uh, the Great Commission Collective late last year. It's because we saw that we valued the same things. And we believed that this relationship would help us in the direction that we believe that God wants us to go. It would help us to be better followers of Jesus Christ as we stir one another on to faith in Him. And so it's cool that as churches in this network, when we, when we look at God's Word, we're seeing the same things being emphasized. Like I would hope so, right? Like it's, it's, it's His Word. It's just, he, he has given it to us and we're just trying to get on what He has to say. And that's not to say that, that other churches or other networks don't care about worshiping Jesus or being sent out by Him, uh, but it is good to know that we are particularly partnered in certain ways uh, with churches that are pursuing that goal in a similar manner. And so, in case you don't know, um, the, the, the mission statement of the Great Commission Collective is up here on the, on the screen. Uh, it's an international family of churches... That's language that's pretty familiar to us, right? That the church is a family of family. It's an international family of churches that exist to glorify God by planting and strengthening and multiplying Great Commission churches around the world. They exist to glorify God by planting, strengthening, and multiplying Great Commission churches around the world. And we are connected to other churches in relationships. So, so this isn't a, a top-down authority kind of a thing. Uh, or we are autonomous as a church in that sense. Um, but it's a family of churches. And, and families uh, tend to have a common language, don't they? they? They tend to have things that they emphasize. So if I were to walk into your home and I were to just listen to your conversations and the things that you talk about on a regular basis, what would be some of the things that I would hear emphasized in your home? I was thinking about this a little bit. Uh, some of the things that you'd hear emphasized in my home because I have very little children are things like obedience and, and respect and praying and uh, trusting Jesus and not licking certain things 
It's just where we're at. But these common themes reveal our values and they shape our family. And the same is true in a local church family and in an international family of churches. And so in this series, the the Worshiping and Sending Church, we're working through some of the common distinctives that we share with Great Commission churches around the world. We want to emphasize the values that we share with our international family of churches because we want to be a contributing member of that family. You see, we want to be a church, first and foremost, that worships Jesus and that is sent by Jesus to multiply disciples and churches throughout the world because that's what we believe the Bible is calling the church to do. And so in the weeks to come, we're we're going to go through six distinctives uh, that are going to help us be the worshiping and sending church that God has called us to be. And I just want to get these in front of you right now before we get to God's Word, um, because you're going to see these unfolded over the next six weeks, or seven weeks rather. Um, The first one is fervent prayer. Can we all agree that that's a pretty big value to God, that, that we would be fervent in our prayer? It's prayer that is dependent upon God and expectant, that we wouldn't go anywhere without prayer. The second is is passionate worship. And this is both on a Sunday morning, but then in the way that we live our lives, that we're laying down our lives and our bodies as living sacrifices, that, that we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, that we're allowing the Spirit of God to lead us into all truth so that we bring glory to Christ in everything that we do. The third one is bold preaching. Preaching that is expository, so that means that that it draws out what the Scriptures have to say. It's expository and then it's applicational. So it's not just about what happened 2,000 years ago, but we believe that God is actually speaking to us through His Word today and that He wants us to live that out and be doers of the Word, not just hearers. Fourth is courageous evangelism. That we are proclaiming the words of the Gospel in boldness. that, That... That it's evangelism that is both in word, but then that there's deeds of love that accompany that evangelism. And then fifth, purposeful disciple making. That we're intentional about making disciples, and, and we do that in community because that's the pattern that we see in the early church, and that's something that you're so familiar with, right? Like, like, discipleship in community. If you haven't heard that at Oak Hill, uh, like, you haven't been coming, right? Um, And then sixth, uh, strategic church planting. And this might be one that has been a little bit less emphasized, but but even you look back at our history, like we sent our founding pastor away so that he could go be a church planter or help other churches get planted in Southeast Asia. And so that we would do this together with other churches and all around the world. And by the way, our founding pastor is in the same network with us and we get to participate with him and with others And so those are the six distinctives. Those are the same values that we share with our family of churches. And and if you're looking even at our originating documents in our Constitution, you're going to see all six of those in different words in our core values. Uh, So really this is just new language that is continuing to describe what we've always sought to be. And I pray that clarifying and focusing on these values is going to help us grow in the direction that God is calling us. That's why we're doing this series. But before we get to studying each of these values individually, which is what we're going to do in the coming weeks, I want us to spend some time today seeing how the common values can impact our partnerships for the gospel. 
that, that God wants us to be partnered together for the gospel. And I want us to, to catch a vision for why we would seek to share some common values. Why we would seek to understand them and live them out so that we can effectively partner together for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. Because this isn't just about me and it's not just about the elders partnering together. It's about all of us. This is about the name of the glory and the glory of Jesus Christ. And this has nothing to do with the name of Oak Hill Fellowship Church. This has nothing to do with the name of the Great Commission Collective. This is about more people worshiping Jesus and multiplying disciples because we took what the Bible says seriously about being a worshiping and sending church. And so here's our goal for this morning and for the rest of this series. Partner in gospel work by embracing the family values of a worshiping and sending church. This is the goal for you, that you would partner in gospel work by embracing the family values of a worshiping and sending church. I want, I want you to see that you play a critical role in the gospel work God is doing through our church and around the world. And to do that, we're going to look at the book of 3 John. We're going to meet a man named Gaius. He's just a common dude who saw his role in the worshiping and sending church. He embraced the doctrine and the lifestyles that his leader had, leaders had passed on to him and it allowed him to become a valuable partner in the advancement of the gospel to the nations. And so look with me at 3 John, beginning in verse 1. This is the opening of the letter. He says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Stop there. So, so this is the third letter that's attributed to the name John. And yet the author doesn't ever identify himself in any of the three epistles. He doesn't say, I'm John, and I'm writing to you. Uh, he, 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 in two of them, he identifies himself as the elder. So this could have been the apostle John himself, or it could have been written by an elder in what is known as, by some scholars as the Johannine community. Um, Johannine simply means that it was stemming from John, or it was formed through the Apostle John, who was the closest disciple to Jesus when he walked the earth. You see, John, like the other apostles, uh, went out on mission, because that's what Jesus told him to do, and he proclaimed the gospel, and then when he saw Believers come to faith in Jesus Christ. He gathered them together in local churches. He established elders over those local churches. And then he moved on. And those local churches would proclaim the gospel. And they would make disciples. And they would plant more churches. And, and, and this was the pattern that we see all throughout the scriptures. And the evidence suggests that as these churches were planted, they related to one another in partnership. As a family of churches. A collective, if you will. They tended to share a common thought and, and a common language. It's so interesting that, that John, the book of John, and then the epistles, they, they have this really common language running throughout that is different than what we read in the rest of the Bible. It's not contradictory. It's just a, a certain way of speaking about these things. And so the author identifies himself here as the elder in one of those churches. This, this could be John, it could be someone else deeply influenced by John, but it, at the bottom of it, it really doesn't matter, right? Because we believe that the Bible has one author, don't, don't we? Right? That, that the Holy Spirit was 
inspiring and carrying along human authors in their situations for our edification so that we would have the Word of God in our hands and know what God wants from us. And so 3 John is in our Bibles because it's important for us to understand what Gaius was coming to understand. So this is a spirit-inspired elder who is writing to an individual named Gaius. Gaius, as we're going to see in this letter, is part of a different church from the elder, but it's clear that he knows the elder well. In fact, jump down to the end of the letter where he gives his final greetings, verse 13. The elder writes, I had much to write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We're going to talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you and greet the friends each by name. So not only does Gaius know this elder, but he knows some of the people in the elder's church. They're called friends. And the elder knows some of the people in his church. He says he knows them, some of them by name. There's a real relationship between these churches. They're partnered together relationally for the gospel. Alden prayed it earlier that the gospel is a relational thing. And based on this relationship, the elder calls him beloved. Like like four or five times throughout the letter, it means dear friend. Now it's important to see that the basis of this love, look at verse 1, the basis of this love is truth. It's truth. The elder says he loves him in truth. For John and the Johannine community, truth was just kind of another way of saying, I love you in Jesus. Jesus and truth are synonymous in John and his letters. That was something that he emphasized with his disciples. And so you start to, to see that common language and you realize that, that what he's saying is, I love you in Jesus. I love you in Christ. I love you because of what you believe about Jesus and the way that you live that out the, respected, the respective churches and individuals have embraced John's message and there's a great deal of commonality between them because of the way that they embraced the truth. And we're going to see later in the letter that, that not all of the churches have embraced John's message or his points of emphasis in quite the same way. Um, there's a particularly one leader and one church who tries to compete with that message out of selfish ambition. He, he rejects the values that John had established in his communities. But Gaius... And his church, the elder, loves in truth. And this common value provided them opportunity to pursue ministry together. You see, being able to embrace some common family values gives us opportunities to get after the things that are on God's heart. Family values help us understand how to pursue being worshiping and sending churches together. And so today I want us to look at four opportunities that common family values provide for us in becoming a worshiping and sending church. And the first is this. Common family values provide an opportunity for celebration. Provide an opportunity for celebration. Look at verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. 
I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So the elder is is saying to Gaius now, I hope that you're doing well, my dear friend, because I've heard about your spiritual health, and I can only hope that your physical health is as strong as your spiritual health. I'm praying for you that you would have this long, healthy ministry. Now, now if these guys are in different churches, uh, we got to ask, like, how does the elder even know about what Gaius is doing? How does he even know about his spiritual condition? Well, we learn in these verses that, that some of the elders' church family had, been, had spent some time with Gaius and had brought back a report of the ways that he had so clearly embra- embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. These brothers and sisters probably got to spend time in Gaius' home. Uh, based on what we're going to read later, uh, maybe they, they got to spend some time in Gaius' church. And they told the elder how Gaius was living out his faith. They, they looked at Gaius and they saw spiritual health based upon what they had been taught in their churches. They, they knew how to evaluate spiritual health together. And so first they, they testified to the elder about Gaius's truth. And remember, truth and Jesus are like almost synonymous in John. And so this is how Gaius was firmly grounded in an understanding of Jesus and the gospel. And before we celebrate any value, we have to make sure that it's firmly grounded in Jesus Christ. Amen? Like, we just sang all about that this morning for a long time, about how Jesus is the foundation. It's only Him. It's all, he's all to us. Jesus is our Savior. He is the one who called us out of darkness and, and who died in our place for our sin and rescued us out and conquered Satan, sin, and the grave and is seated on high above all things. He is our Savior. And when we unite ourselves to, faith, to Him by faith, He becomes all to us, right? He, he becomes our Lord. And we submit our entire lives to Him because without Him we realize we have no life. He is the head of His church. We exist for Him. And I want to just be so clear, if we don't have the truth about Jesus straight, if another church doesn't have the truth about Jesus straight, like, we don't have anything there. If you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus if He is not your Savior and your Lord and changing your life, then we don't have very much in common at all. And we would urge you and long for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and to come to know that in Him is life eternal. In Him is the abundant springs of life. And we'd love to talk to you about that more. Jesus is the one who makes us part of the church. And Gaius knew Jesus. That was the most important thing about him. We've got to get that out up front. And anyone who spent any time with Gaius knew that. These people came back to the elders' church and they testified to his truth. But notice that they also testified to the way that he was walking in truth. He was living out what he believed about Jesus in some very clear ways. Really, that's what we're talking about when we're going through these values of a worshiping and sending church. How are we as a church 
now, thinking about it as a church, how are we living out our belief in Jesus together? So the elder receives this report about Gaius, and he's just so excited. He's like, I rejoiced in this. Like, I just, nothing brings me greater joy. I, I just, I, I, I spend some time just having a little worship time because of you, Gaius, and, and what God is doing in your life. Now, I want you to notice some of the words that are being used throughout here because it's so easy to rush past some of these words. Uh, verse 3, uh, he says um, that the brothers were the ones who testified. And then in verse 4, he calls Gaius his child in the truth. This is family language here, right? Family language. And, and we like to say this around here. Uh, the church isn't just like a family. Can you repeat? Can you finish the sentence? The church isn't just like a family. It, it is a family, right? We are a family together. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we become real children of God. Like really children of God. And real brothers and sisters in Christ. The church isn't just like a family. It really is a family. And that family, just like every family, has some family values. Some things that are essential to living out our faith together. So here the elders like, Gaius, you're living out the values of our family. And I just want to take a moment to encourage you and to celebrate that fact with you. You bring so much joy to my heart. When I was growing up, I didn't always feel like I had a ton of things in common with my family on my mom's side. And uh, they lived six hours away. I had a whole bunch of cousins over there. They all lived kind of around each other. Uh, the, the youngest cousin that was older than me was a good two or three years older than me. Uh, the, youngest, the oldest cousin who was younger than me was a good four years younger. And, and so there just wasn't a lot there that, that I felt like I had in common. And I just kind of always felt like I was alone at family gatherings and I just didn't, we, we didn't even have similar interests or similar values. Like it was just different. And, and then when I turned 30, my mom calls me up on the phone. And she's like, yeah, there's something I need to tell you. Um, you. You never knew this, but you have a cousin who's three months older than you who was put up for adoption when he was born. And uh, she told me about this cousin uh, that he uh, has kids whose ages are similar in ages to my kids. Uh, he's a very strong believer um, he uh, is a worship leader at his church and plays guitar. Like, the, the similarities were eerie, right? And I'm just like, seriously? Like, I, like I haven't known about this guy the entire time. So, so then we get to this, uh, this family gathering, uh, and we, we get to meet each other. And we just, like, we're off in a corner just the whole time just talking uh, about, you know, our lives and, and how God had brought us. And, and it was like this time of great rejoicing because there's somebody in my family who's like, my family, like, we get each other. Listen, common values are something that we can and should celebrate in our church family. We, we celebrate what we value. Like think about the elder's statement. He says, I have no greater joy, no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Just think about that statement. Like really? Like no greater joy? Like, not when your kid graduates from high school? Like, like, not like having a baby in your family? Like, that didn't bring you greater joy than this? Like, not whatever you would celebrate? The values themselves, when you see them lived out, should cause worship in your heart that God is at work in the midst of His church. we got to worship God 
Not worship the church, but worship God for the ways that He's working in our midst and in the churches that are around us. I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. We celebrate what we value. And so it starts with the gospel, right? Like anywhere that we find somebody who follows Jesus and is living that out in some sort of evident way, we should celebrate that. Like I hear many stories from you all about how you'll like run into somebody on the job site or, 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 or when you're traveling or, or just a neighbor or something like that and they'll talk about, you know, they, they, I found out that they were a believer and I, like we just had a little worship celebration. It was great. Like it was so exciting to meet somebody else who was a Christian and that's awesome. Like Jesus is the truth and we should celebrate Jesus above all things. But we got to kind of be honest, like not everybody follows Jesus means the same thing about what they mean by following Jesus, right? And we don't all have the same idea of what it means to walk in the truth, and, and not every church is pursuing what God says the church needs to pursue. And It's sad, but it's true. And, and the more that we can find commonality in what it looks like to walk with Jesus, the more that we can clearly define what the church is and why we exist, the more opportunities that we have to celebrate. We're just looking for more opportunities to celebrate what God is doing. As you see this list of values that's up on the screen again, Hopefully these are things that you see us celebrating when God works in these ways in and through us. It's not about celebrating the amount of people that we have who come to our church or or to our events. It's not about celebrating the size of our budget. It's not about celebrating any cool tricks or creativity that we would have up our sleeve that would make us look slick. It's about celebrating that God is producing these things in our midst. And you can partner with the church in that celebration. So if you see somebody who's really pursuing fervent prayer, if there's a person who their prayer life just makes you want to have a deeper prayer life, encourage them. Celebrate that with them. Tell them, hey, you know, you're really helping me grow in my faith in the Lord. And so I'm just so thankful for you. And I'm not giving you any glory, but I'm giving God glory and encouragement is a is a wonderful form of celebration. If you're traveling on a vacation or a missions trip and you have an opportunity to visit another church, maybe one of our GCC family churches, and and you see these values being lived out, just encourage them. Like, I see God working here. I'm rejoicing in that. When we learn to celebrate the right things, we are more free to partner in gospel work. And that's the second opportunity provided by common family values. Common family values provide an opportunity for partnership, for partnership. Look at verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want, who want to and puts them out of 
the church. So here's this stark contrast between Gaius and this other guy named Diotrephes. Gaius apparently had a home that he used for hospitality, for the welcoming of strangers and making them like family, treating them like family. Specifically, he invited traveling missionaries, traveling evangelists into his home. He invited them. These were brothers and sisters in Christ who were apparently sent out from the elders' church, or at least they were related to the Johannine community in some way. But the text says uh, they were strangers. Do you see that? They were strangers to Gaius. Isn't the church crazy like that? Like we can have brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the world who are absolute strangers to us. Like last week, most of you didn't know Jeff from Adam, right? But, but his preaching was perfectly at home here because he's a brother. And he shares our family values. And Gaius recognized that strangers, even strangers, can be brothers in Christ. And so he provided for their needs just like he would provide for his family so that they could share the gospel with unbelievers and not have to take anything from them. That, that was a pretty costly thing for Gaius to do for a bunch of strangers, right? But because he knew what values to look for, Gaius got to partner in the truth because by using the particular gifts and abilities that God had given him. They're out there for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ using their gifts, and he's using his gift of hospitality, and the church is multiplying. It takes all kinds of gifts to be a worshiping and sending church. That doesn't mean that Gaius never had to share the gospel himself, but it does mean that he had to maximize his God-given gifts and put them to use. And yet it's curious, like how did Gaius know that these were brothers even though they were strangers? Because if you compare this to the book of 2 John, the whole book of 2 John is about like not welcoming certain missionaries into your home because they're opposed to the truth. It's about having all this discernment that you wouldn't invite these, these false missionaries, these bad missionaries into your home. And so apparently there's two groups of missionaries traveling around. Some are good, some are not so good. And so how does Gaius know? Gaius knew who to welcome because he knew what to value. He had been taught so well that he could be discerning about his partnerships. He knew what to look for. He, he knew the truth. He knew what a walk with Christ should look like. He, he knew what values they should be promoting and which ones they shouldn't. Gaius got to be a partner in the truth because he valued the right things in his partnerships. But then there's this other guy named Diotrephes, right? And he gets it all backward. Diotrephes seems to be a leader in, in another church that was once connected in some way to the Johannine community, family of churches. But for some reason or another, he rejected John's teachings and instead he put himself first. Like if you want a surefire way to kill partnership in the church, whether that's as a member of a local church or across church lines, uh, start putting yourself first. If you want a surefire way to kill partnership, reject shared values that are based on Scripture and then start doing things your own way. Insist that you know better than anyone else, that you're smarter than anyone else, that you're more spiritual than everyone else, that you have this Christian life thing figured out and everybody else must be a bunch of baloney heads. 
Start doing that, and you'll kill what God is going for in 3 John. That's Diotrephes. He liked to put himself first. And he didn't just reject the messengers. He, he slandered them and the churches that they came from. Like this dude was on a power trip. In fact, he took this so far as to stop everyone else in his church from accepting any of these missionaries too. Like he's a control freak. He had his values all wrong and it kept him from the right kind of partnerships. Our values give us the measuring stick to have the kind of discernment that enables healthy, gospel-advancing partnerships. And so you can kind of think of this like dating. When I was in high school, I'll be very honest with you, I liked some girls that I shouldn't have liked. I liked them because I thought they were cute or they had a good sense of humor or whatever it was. I, I liked some girls that I shouldn't have liked. And, and, and you know how I know that? Because they didn't pursue the same values that I pursued. And when I pursued them with my own set of values, they rejected me in favor of the bad boys. Like, like nice guys always finish last. That was me, totally me throughout high school, right? But then by God's grace, by God's grace, God protected me from those relationships. And he preserved me for a woman who did share my values and did pursue God's purposes with me and were very happily married. And partnerships in the church are like that. We don't just need superficial alignment, like the base level of things. We need deep, heart-level, shared values that come straight from God's Word. We shouldn't just be attracted to successful ministries that, that are, look good by worldly standards, that, that have a lot of people attending, that, that are financially successful, that have a strong personality or leader. Like those are the wrong values. And God in His grace, let me tell you, has protected our church from those types of values. There, that's stories for another time. But we need to be looking to see how God is working in the heart of a church and in the heart of a movement. Is it spiritually healthy by God's standards? Is it pursuing what we believe God's Word says a church should be pursuing? We need a common understanding that says, this is how we believe the gospel and the mission of the church is supposed to play out. Not necessarily in exact forms. It doesn't have to look exactly the way that it does here at Oak Hill. But in the values that we share. And that should be true on a local church level. So as you enter into membership of a church, or, or you think about being a part of this church that you're committed to, you should be asking, uh, do they value what God values as a church? Is that what they're passionate about? Are they going after the right things? Possibly more important than that question, though, is this. Do I value the right things in a church? Are, are my values shaped more by God's word or by personal preference? You see, so many people partner with local churches because it's the right size for them or the right worship style or has the right programs for their kids. Listen, that's a consumer mentality. I don't care if you like a small church or a large church. I don't care if you, you want a, a kicking kids program or you want one that's going to do certain things for your family in particular. That's a consumer mentality and it has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, those values don't hold up to the values of God's word. Ultimately, they are the spirit of diatrophies, loving to put yourself first. 
In order to be the church together, we have to look to God's word for the truth, for how to live out the truth in community. Church isn't just about our superficial desires. It's not just about our pragmatic ideas, going after what works so that we're going to attract more people or make you feel comfortable. Being the church is about partnering together to worship our God, about building one another up in the faith of Jesus Christ through the use of our spiritual gifts, and then about sending one another out to proclaim his gospel to the world. That's what it truly means to be a member of a local church, and we need to share those values at a local level. We're going to be able to partner in gospel advancement globally when each person in our local church embraces the values of a worshiping and sending church. And then as a whole local church, we need to seek out partnerships with churches who share the same values on a global level. So Gaius partnered with strangers, right? He partnered with them for the advancement of the gospel, for the sake of the name. And I I just wonder, like, if you're going to get the same type of opportunity someday. And when you do, are you going to be ready for that opportunity? Maybe you're going to get, get to host a church planter in his home while he gets some training or spend some time with us. Maybe you're going to go somewhere else to help strangers get ready to plant their church. Maybe you're going to be the one going who, who has to put yourself in a vulnerable place to, to stay in somebody else's home. See, as a church, we aren't going to just support any church or missionary. Like 2 John will warn us, we're going to be discerning. And like 3 John would tell us, we're going to welcome those who walk in a manner worthy of God. We're going to partner with those churches and church planners who believe that we can't do anything without fervent prayer. We're going to partner with those churches and planners who believe in boldly preaching the word of God and passionately worshiping Christ in spirit and in truth. We're going to partner with churches and planners who are purposeful in their discipleship and courageous in their evangelism, who are planting churches where God seems to be clearly working. Common family values are essential to partnership in the gospel. And when we celebrate common family values and we partner around common family values, they provide an opportunity for this last point, uh, multiplication. Look at verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil is not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So you have these traveling missionaries in 2 John who you shouldn't support. You have these missionaries in 3 John who you should support. You have Gaius who's commended and and Diotrephes who is rebuked. So what should we do with that? What should we do with that? We should imitate, multiply what is good. We multiply what is healthy. Imitation is multiplication, isn't it? The elder says, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Understand the things that God values and imitate them. Multiply those things. We could go back to 1 John and the Gospel of John for more details about how those values would have been worked out and expressed in those churches. But for now, I just want you to see that there's a clear pattern to imitate. If we're, if we're going to multiply health, we have to be healthy. We need to imitate the right things which are going to lead to celebrating the right things. It's going to lead to partnering around the right things, which will lead to multiplying the right things so that the process repeats. Notice that the elder is sending another guy for Diotrephes, for Gaius to serve. Demetrius. 
Like his job, his work isn't over. There's more partnership to be had, more gospel work to be done. And this guy comes with the testimony of the whole Johannine community. He embraces the values of truth and the way that that truth is lived out. And so he's being told to receive him just like you receive the others. Imitate him in the good values that he embodies. Partner with him in healthy ministry. If we are going to multiply health, we have to be healthy. And so uh, Brian White, who is the outgoing director of the GCC, we have another one coming in. Uh, Brian just wanted to pastor his church, and, and he wasn't, he was like, I, I just, I want to be focused at the local church level. So, so we have another director coming in. But um, he, he's the current GCC director, and, and he, he said this, uh, we always say that healthy things grow and multiply, but so do unhealthy things. So do unhealthy things. And so think about the things that are growing and spreading at your house right now. Uh, we decided this year that we were going to plant a garden. And last I checked, which was a couple days ago, so this could be totally off, uh, but last I checked, things are growing well in that garden. Things are looking good, and I can't wait to eat the produce that's there, and uh, we're looking forward to that. We're excited about that. But you know what I know? Another thing that's been growing and spreading around my house this past two weeks some nasty colds, some weird stomach things, uh, bronchitis, pink eye, just add to the list. You don't want to come to my house right now. That's what's growing and spreading in our house. Now, now think about this. What is growing and spreading in your life? What is growing and spreading in your life? Are you imitating as a healthy who, I'm sorry, who are you imitating as a healthy partner in ministry for the gospel? If someone would imitate you, would they become a healthy partner in gospel ministry? Are the values of a worshiping and ascending church in your life, are you growing deeper in fervent prayer? Are you passionate about the way that you worship Jesus in your life and in your words? Do you hunger for bold preaching of the Word of God that you apply regularly to your life? Are you sharing your faith courageously? Are you purposeful in your discipleship, especially in community with other believers? Are you eager to see the gospel go out and to see more churches planted in places where Jesus is not yet named? Do you care about those things? Like Jeff said last week, this is going to be a worshiping and sending church when you are worshiping Christ and living sent. And so just take some inventory about these six values, and this is what we're going to go over in the next six weeks. I can't wait to see how God grows us up in these areas, and I bet a lot of them are in your life. I really do. I believe that about our church, is that we are embodying so many of these things, if not all of these things, but I believe that we also all have room to continue growing. And I can't wait to celebrate the work that God does in our church and in your life. I can't wait to see what partnerships He produces. I, I can't wait to see how He multiplies disciples and churches for the fame of His name. And so, are you ready to get after this together? Are you ready to do this together as a church that we would become a church that worships Christ and lives sent in partnership with other churches around the world. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it points us to Jesus, who is the truth. 
And we thank you for showing us how he changes our lives, how he empowers us to live a life that is pleasing to you, that is holy before you. And we confess, Lord, that we cannot live this life without him. He is everything. And we need him to empower us by the power of his Holy Spirit so that we would be the people and the church that you have called us to be. So get our eyes on him, Lord. Help us to live in him, in the truth. And Lord, we ask that you would use us. We want to seek you. We want to, we want to seek where do you want us to go? Who do you want us to serve? Who are you going to bring to faith because we have simply laid ourselves before you and said we're all yours Lord use us in your mission we don't deserve it but we long for it pray this in the name of Jesus Christ thank you for listening to Oak Hill Fellowship Church stay connected with us by finding us on social media or by joining us Sunday mornings at 9am until then remember that you are loved